today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Very troubling story from the uh, the West Coast. Uh, yet more accusations of sexual misconduct uh, with the uh, Vancouver Whitecaps women's soccer team. Uh, this is not the first time we've heard of these sorts of accusations, and there are questions not just about the charges, but the way that uh, both the team and the league uh, have handled these. Uh, joining us to talk about this is Paul Champ, Policy Counsel for the Professional Footballers Association of Canada. And uh, Paul, first and foremost, thank you so much for the time. I'm glad you could join us today. Well, good morning, Bill, and thank you for inviting us to speak about this. Well, very important issue, and, and even more troubling as we hear more and more of these cases. And I, I know the overriding question an awful lot of people ask when they hear of yet another one of these is, when are we ever going to learn uh, about this? I mean, with the you know the Harvey Weinstein's and the Me Too movement and so many other things, uh, I suppose the, the one positive element of this is it, it ho- hopefully encouraged some people to come forward. And uh, some of the players, I guess, and former players on uh, the, the Whitecaps have done this. Maybe just for the to give us some background on this, Paul, you could explain what's going on here. I know there are relatively new charges uh, that have come to fore here, but not the first time the charges against the Whitecaps have come up, is it? No. Um, what, what's come out right now, Bill, is that uh, in 2011, a coach of the Whitecaps women's team had um, uh, put himself in a situation with a player where she had no option but to stay in a hotel room with him. He flew her into a city for a tryout and uh, then told her, oh, sorry, the club didn't book a room for you, so you're going to have to stay in the same room as me. Um, The player was uncomfortable um, but had no options. She financially couldn't do anything else. And um, when they were in the room in the middle of the night, he made some advances on her. so that that was that's a horrible story that's that's come out. Um, what what happened at the end of that season is uh, the player complained to the club, and they they did uh, not renew that that coach's contract, but they told all the players to keep it quiet, don't tell anyone about those issues, and uh, that coach went on to coach um, you know other women for years. This is eerily similar to the Blackhawks uh, scandal that came to light a couple of weeks ago, isn't it, Paul? When you look at this, uh, that it's, it's, I guess, in the definition of cover-up, maybe not necessarily because the, the the individual that was charged in that particular case moves on, but with with no knowledge of anybody else, and of course he went on and, and abused somebody else, uh, and in the absence of information like that, that's a, that's a possibility, uh, which begs the question: Why, why, how so hush hush about something like this? Is it is it fear of, of bad public relations? Is that the rationalization? I, well, I think there's no doubt about it. It's it's a culture of silence, Bill, and um, you know where where clubs feel that it's more important to protect their own reputations than than the safety of players. And you know the disturbing thing about the 2011 incident I was just telling you about is it followed closely on another even worse story from 2008 that had also been kept quiet for many years. Uh, there was another coach for the Women's White Caps Club who was also at the same time coaching the w- Canada women's U20 team, like teenage girls uh, for Canada. Both the teams were being coached together, and that coach was sending sexually inappropriate messages to those girls. Um, for several months, the club had known about it, and they didn't take effective action. Um, they ultimately did let him go at the end of the season. They and Canada Soccer let him go at the end of the season. Um, but again, they didn't tell the public about what was going on, and that, that gentleman went on to coach uh, young women players for years. And, so, and incidentally, that guy has now been charged 
Um, when the players came forward with these allegations uh, just over a year ago about the 2008 incident, um, other players came forward and finally had the courage to speak to the police, and he has now been criminally charged for uh, two counts of sexual assault and a number of cases of uh, sexual exploitation. So it's a really uh, ugly story, Bill, of um, you know silence in sport, and I think... Um, you know, right now in this industry, in sport, we're just seeing maybe the tip of the iceberg. The, the individual that you just referred to from the 2011 uh, incident, of course, is, uh, is Mallory Enoch, uh, who's come yep. forward on this and become public. Uh, and again, very brave of her to do that. But I, I, I couldn't help, as I read this, Paul, to go back in time to after this happened. As you say, she was certainly aware of it. Uh, I'm sure her teammates were aware of it in, in varying degrees of what went on. Uh, and it seemed as if the management of the, of the soccer club was aware of this as well. I mean, how could you go to work every day? What kind of a toxic environment does that, that pre- present to, to the people that are on the club? Yeah, well, for the, for the, the players, they're, they're so vulnerable, Bill, because this is their dream. You know, in any workplace situation, and, you know, I'm in employment and labor law, in any workplace situation, there's going to be an imbalance of power when a boss or a manager is sexually harassing an employee, and that, those are always horrible cases. But in sport, it's even worse because for an athlete, it's been their dream since they were a child. And, you know, with, with these coaches, they're the, they're the pathway to their dreams. And they feel that if they complain or they speak out, um, that they won't be able to continue to pursue their dreams. So they're, they're so vulnerable to this exploitation. And, um, you know, I, I think that they're, it's really incumbent on sports and in the soccer industry that they, you know, they put in place proper mechanisms so these coaches can't continue um, when allegations uh, are brought against them. It, it's, I guess for those of us that have not been in that environment, Paul, it's very difficult for us to maybe uh, associate with that. But the, 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 as you mentioned, the pressure, and I think Kyle Beach talked about that when he came forward about his situation with the Blackhawks, a young guy that wanted to make it to the NHL, and basically this individual, his abuser, uh, was that that hurdle. You know, If you don't do what I say and if you don't say anything about this, I'm going to make sure you never play hockey again. Well, and, and again, that's, you know, that's 20 years of, of dreams and hard work going out the window in a situation like that. And I'm sure that Mallory felt the same sort of pressure. You know, what am I supposed to do in a situation like that? It's incumbent upon the club, though, isn't it, to provide uh, a, an opportunity or vehicles for them to be able to, to pursue this uh, and, and circumvent that kind of pressure. But I, I get the sense from especially uh, from the overview I saw in 2011 that that just wasn't available. The club was not doing that. The, they, they were aware of it, but they weren't offering that kind of assistance. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right, Bill. You know, the, the Kyle Beach story is really tragic, and, and I think, uh, you know, we really, all of us, owe him a great debt in coming forward with his story because, you know, you hear this guy who's a big hockey player, and uh, the, the psychological pressure that he was put under, the coercion that he was put under to be put in that situation where, where he was a victim of sexual assault, that, you know, you, it gives you just a tiny window of how a player would feel when, when they feel that their, their entire dream of being a professional athlete is at risk. And so, you know, I, I think that's, that's the point, is the clubs have, you know, a real heightened responsibility to ensure that they protect the players and the safety of the players should be the top priority. And, um, you know, when there's any hint of something like that, you know, clubs need to act uh, swiftly, strongly, 
and transparently uh, to ensure they put a stop to that and that there's proper accountability. Well, you just used a key word there that I think we need to spend a little time talking about here, and that's transparency. Uh, because I, my impression here is that apparently uh, Canada soccer, and for that matter, even the Whitecaps, have said that they're going to investigate this, but there's no guarantee that they're going to make these findings public. That, that's problematic. Yeah, so um, we've um, come forward with a list of demands, and um, we want both Canada soccer and uh, the investigation of the Whitecaps that's being conducted by Major League Soccer to uh, be transparent, uh, should give input to the players on the full mandate, and um, that the reports should be public at the end. Um, with proper accountability, if there are any executives still in those organizations who, who are responsible for, you know, wrong or inappropriate decisions at the, at, at the relevant times. What, talk to us about the role of Canada soccer here. In other words, the governing bodies in, in these organizations uh, and their responsibility to inform, I, I guess, both management and the players themselves uh, about what should happen and, and the avenues to be followed if, in fact, people feel as if they have uh, been victims in situations like this. Uh, is there a protocol that's established that, so, God forbid, something should happen to one of those individuals that they know where to go and, and to whom to, to report to? Well, th those are the things that they're trying to develop right now, in fairness to Canada Soccer. Um, you know, safe sport uh, complaint mechanisms, uh, they're, they're trying to come up with that. Um, it's just unfortunate that it's, you know, so late. You know, this is a problem, Bill, that I think we see in many sports. Um, but, you know, Canada soccer, many people don't know this, but the, the, the soccer, the sport of soccer is very integrated in Canada. Um, you know, Canada soccer governs all of the amateur associations across the country. They're all affiliates to Canada soccer and all professional clubs, whether it's, uh, you know, the Vancouver Whitecaps or Toronto FC or Montreal FC in the major league soccer or all the Canadian teams in Canadian Premier League, all of them must. Uh, report to Canada Soccer. They're governed by Canada Soccer, um, which is part of the FIFA pyramid. So, you know, in this particular sport, Canada Soccer has a lot of power and I would say a lot of responsibility, um, you know, to take effective action on ensuring that we have coaches in the system at every level who act appropriately and, and athletes can feel comfortable that they're going to be treated, treated right and, and safely. Is it, is it fair to say then, with that in mind, Paul, that the, these investigations go right up the food chain, uh, not just with, uh, as you say, Canada soccer, but uh, I, I know that uh, one of the demands here you talked about uh, involve uh, CONCACAF and FIFA uh, involved in this. So, uh, in other words, everybody is, is going to be on the chain here, and everybody should be informed of, of the findings of these investigations. Yes, absolutely, um, Bill. That's, that's what we're asking. We think that anyone who is involved in those events in any way, wherever they are now, if they're still in the soccer industry, um, should participate in these investigations, be transparent in these investigations, and, um, you know, we should know what they did at those times. You know, the Harvey Weinstein and the Me Too movement has, you know, really been a, um, a, a cultural change, and, you know, I think it's it's obviously coming far too late that the the culture of silence that has prevailed in many industries where uh, people are particularly vulnerable, whether it was in the the movie or the entertainment industry, where you know your pathway to becoming a star for some had to go through the hotel room of Harvey Weinstein. 
Um, you know, athletes are vulnerable in the same way. And I think, you know, we as a society who, you know, we look up to and are excited and entertained by athletes and, and when they're on the field, you know, we owe it to them to, to make sure that the, uh, that the sport is safe for them to, um, you know, to play. As this investigation continues, Paul, are, are you getting full cooperation from from those involved, including the Whitecaps? I'm sure there's there's got to be documentation about this. That it, obviously it wasn't made public at the time, uh, but I would imagine there are records someplace. Yeah, there there will be records, and um, we uh, you know we have had contact with all the relevant organizations. Um, you know, the the Professional Footballers Association Canada wasn't around back in 2008 and 2011. And I really wish we were because I think we could have helped those players then. And I think, uh, quite frankly, I think these things may not have happened if there was, you know, a place where players could go to. Um, but we are assisting these players now. You know, almost all of them are not playing anymore. But they do care about the future of the sport. And, and they've come forward to ask us if we can, you know, be their, their point of contact and representation in, this, in these investigations. And, um you know, that's what we're going to do. We're going to try to hold these organizations accountable to ensure that these investigations are transparent and that, um, you know, the, the public gets to see the results and we know what the organizations are going to do about those results. We've talked about these two incidents to do with the Whitecaps uh, Club. Uh, are you worried or concerned uh, that, that this information and this investigation is, is going to lead to, to more people coming forward? I mean, are these isolated incidents uh, from, from what you know so far, Paul, or is there a concern that, that other people are going to come forward and this might be a lot bigger than we had anticipated? Well, it may be. It may be. Um, you know, when uh, things came forward in 2019, that was the first time uh, one of our own board members, Kiera McCormick, put out a blog about what had happened in 2008. And that was the first time, it, you know, those issues had, had um, come to light. And at that time, that's when some former players felt comfortable to come forward. Um, it was many years later, and they felt safe to do so. They, some of them told their story not only publicly, but, you know, as we know, later on, there was an investigation by the Vancouver police, and, and that's ultimately what led to charges. So, you know, we're hoping that as more attention is, comes to this issue, other players uh, do feel safe in coming forward. Um, and, um, you know, maybe we'll hear more about these stories and, and we can, you know, take the steps necessary to clean up the sport. Well, I wish you good luck with the investigation going forward here and uh, and justice and, and some sense of peace of mind for, for the people that have been impacted by this, too. Uh, it's only going to happen if we, uh, as you mentioned, have full transparency in this whole thing. Paul, thank you for spending some time with us today. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Bill. Take care. Paul Champ, who is the counsel for the Professional Footballers Association of Canada, uh, involved in the investigation and the allegations against at least uh, two incidents with the Vancouver Whitecaps uh, Women's Soccer Club. And as you say, there may well be more to come on that. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.